generational yeah generational trauma is a bitch <laughs> it's a real you ain't lying about that DeAndre. you ain't lying about that Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we have Dwayne Anderson on to talk about mental health, which is something that I think both DeAndre and I have been really thinking a lot about and wanting to talk about for a long time. So I will just, you know, let you, Dwayne, give a short bio, whatever you think our audience should know about you. Yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Dwayne. I am originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, yes, I am 27 years old. I now reside in Illinois, uh, which is cold as hell out here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, still good. Uh, and so I am a host of the show Wind Down Sunday on Instagram at the beer guy underscore. Make sure you follow me if you want to catch the show. It is an amazing show. Uh, yeah, and I'm just happy to be here today. So. so so, what kind of topics around mental health do you feel like? I feel like obviously that's like a huge thing right now and yeah. there's like so many just different connections between like the pandemic and you know affecting people's mental yep. health and like specifically like black people's mental health right now and like just you know like yeah what what kind of direction are you thinking oh for me uh right now one thing uh i think i think the big i think the biggest thing is first like even going back to the pandemic like when the pandemic hit i feel like it was mentally it, you know, it was a major adjustment for everyone that was happening, right? It was this major shift in the country and in the world. Like, our routines were altered. We weren't doing the same routine. They say it could take up to a month or two months just to get into a routine. And so now you got to break that routine and go into another routine, working from home, whether you got children, pets, whatever the case may be. So it was just a lot that was happening with that. And I feel like for me mentally, like that was that was that was that was new that I had to really change up everything because I'm used to doing things a certain way and I work in higher education so I'm used to working with students all the time and so when I wasn't able to do that and I had to do it you know via Zoom and Skype and all those different things that was different and then on top of that then uh, there was a lot of situations that was affecting the black community you know the George Floyd situation the Breonna Taylor situation now the Jacob Blake situation. Uh, the situation with the end of, with the with the uh with the, with the black guy in Georgia. Uh oh I can't remember his name. What was his name? Why can't I remember his name? I'm oh, so God. sorry for I that. Can't, I can't remember his name either. Yeah, but uh that situation took place. Uh, the Sean Reed situation took place. So it was just a lot that was happening in that moment. And I feel like it was just blow after blow after blow after blow for black people. And I just feel like personally, PTSD is something that I'm passionate about because a lot of people think PTSD is just this trauma that, you know, uh, our, you know, our war veterans face. And it's not just that. Like, we as black people, uh, and I'm sure you all seen it, y'all probably seen all the videos that came out surrounding the situation. So, like, when you see those videos, that, that imagery is stuck in your head and it's triggering and it causes anxiety, it can cause depression, uh, it can cause, it can cause so much. And so, like, with that being with that being said, like I feel like all of that affected black people. So not only did we have not only is there a major health disparity and that's having to also, you know, uh be at a greater risk for getting COVID. And then when we get COVID, being at an even greater risk for not receiving the proper treatment. And then on top of that, we then have to also uh worry about our lives when it comes at the hands of police, like losing our lives at the hands of police. And so 
I just feel like all of that is just a lot of mental trauma. And I feel like those videos of those black people being killed was one PTSD. And I just feel like one, as black people, uh, you know, we're 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 in a very resilient time right now where we kind of have to be resilient. And I think the biggest thing is that and there's a stigma in this black community that we're not supposed to take care of ourselves. And so I think that's kind of the biggest thing that I've been preaching to all my black colleagues, my black friends. It's like, just take care of yourself right now, because now is the time where you have to do that. So I know that was a lot, but uh, but yeah. So. Yeah, so can you kind of break down, because I don't think we've really talked mm. in depth about PTSD on the show before, and I don't yeah. think I really fully have a complete understanding. I definitely know it's like more broad than just, you know, having like gone to war or whatever, but, Correct. you know, would you characterize it as PTSD just from having like seen a really traumatic video or something like that? What I so what I characterize so uh, I, I I will I will I, I I will characterize as PTSD and the reason why I say as black people we have PTSD uh, not even uh, and kind of just the example so I kind of looked it up so what is post traumatic stress disorder uh, it's a psychiatric disorder that occur in people who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, a serious incident, a terrorist act, war, combat, rape, et cetera, et cetera. And so when it comes to that as black people, we've witnessed those events virtually, right? And then you got to also understand too, like as, and this is not all black people, but a lot of black people, we come from inner city neighborhoods, me being one of them. And so we witness crime every day. We witness whether it's drug related, uh, whether it's fights, whether it's, you know, situations at home with their mother and their fathers or grandparents or guardians, whatever the case may be. So then not only do we have that, but then we get on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. And we have to see this traumatic event, which is very triggering because right now I can recall play by play uh, the Michael Brown uh, video that happened. Mm -hmm. And that video came out in what, 16, I think it was or something. And so, yeah, I think so. Uh, the fact that I remember that, and I'm sure a, a lot of other black people remember that, is very traumatic, which creates PTSD, which is that, uh, which is that, you know, traumatic event that took place that's engraved in your mental imagery forever, and then now, and it now affects you mentally, which then mentally can turn into it, it affecting you physically in a sense too. And so, a lot of people don't get that, like you know, depression can lead to weight loss, you know, anxiety uh, can lead to weight loss, and so. Those are different ways of like how mental health can really affect uh, you physically as well too. So yeah, I I I, I wholeheartedly I preach that all the time. I say black people we definitely have PTSD uh, just just by the things that we see because it affects us. Like that can be us, you know. Yeah. That can be us. So, yeah. And this this isn't I've um, Dwayne. I've heard this from this isn't you know, you're not the first person that I've heard this from. I, and I yeah I definitely wholeheartedly kind of subscribe to it. If and in the sense that I think that there is a long-standing precedent of showing violence against black bodies on whatever the popular form of media at the time might be, right? Like, we can yeah. still go back to pictures from the civil rights movement and see pictures of black yep. people just being fucked yep. up, <laughs> like, yep. in yep, the streets, whether it be, you know, with dogs or with, um, or, or by law enforcement or you know, with high pressure fire hoses or whatever, whatever it might be. Yep. And then, if we go back even farther, you know, we can very easily find photographs of like public lynchings of black people from yep. the early 1900s, late 1800s. 
Very true. So, yeah. you know, so there's a long-standing history of it being considered acceptable to, yeah, to just show the brutalization of black bodies. I think, I think for better or for worse, right? Because we have a, there's, we all know the kind of the story of Emmett Till's mother deciding to yep. have his casket be open and mm-hmm. was a big, was a big spark for the civil rights movement. So, you know, I yep. think that, you know, I think that while it was very harrowing for her to do that, it's sad that that's what society needs to see in order to step up. Yeah, no, and that's 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 very true. And I, I you know, I don't want to keep the, the 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 energy really low on a serious topic because I do want to talk about lighthearted stuff too. Uh, but I think it's very true because I, I think for even for me and for other countless other black individuals, biracial individuals, it started in the school system. Like when, when I was in elementary school, I was first prescribed to those images that DeAndre just talked about, like the lynchings and all of that stuff. And you know, it starts from there seeing that, like, as black people, we are the only, well, not the only, but uh, we are one of many oppressed communities where in order to learn about our, uh, to learn about our heritage and learn about our race, we have to see our race being oppressed, right? We have to see our race being brutalized in books. Uh, slavery was in books, our, you know, our ancestors being whipped and shackled and chained in history books and stuff like that. And we're not taught, you know, uh, the you know the time whether it was before that or whatever the case may be when you know it's black people what were we like what were we before slavery and all those different things we don't we don't talk about that in history books I agree DeAndre I think a lot of that stems from uh, the school system too as well uh, and I think that the teaching the way it's taught about black people we're taught that you know um, we can only be taught we can only teach our black students about their their, their heritage about their race through the constant brutal beatings that they took on in this country, in a sense, as opposed to, you know, the time period before that. So, yeah. Mm. I This is something that I kind of wonder about when it comes to teaching kids this kind of history, right? Yeah. Is how much of that tra- like traumatization is necessary in yeah. order to help people understand the gravity of our historical situation, right? Yeah, Versus yeah. how much of it is almost like gratuitous trauma porn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I think that it's really hard to figure out what is the right level because it is traumatizing for everyone involved, right? To see mm-hmm. these like terrible brutalizations of people. But at the same time, do you think that it's like still something that we kind of have to go through in order to understand and motivate our society to act? Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's something we got to go through. Like that part, that part of history has to be shown, you know? Uh, I feel like it has to in us for one, for black people to fully understand what we went through, but two, for everyone to understand what we went through uh and what you know what happened with us my only my only caveat or my only issue that i have with the school system is that and not not necessarily school system just anyone teaching anyone about the history of black people is that we start at slavery and we don't go before slavery like we don't go we don't go back to africa before you know quote unquote we were brought over here you know on, on ships and all that stuff so we don't, we don't, you know, we don't talk about that in a sense. And that's my only, that's my only issue or caveat is that we're basically, we're teaching our, our kids and our people about the low moments that, you know, in, you know, in black history. And we're not teaching them about the triumphant moments 
that we have in, in our history. We're not teaching them about who we were before as slaves, in a sense. And granted, I'm not here to get in religion or, not, or you know, none of that stuff. But at a, at, at a time, though, you know, we weren't slaves. We, you know, we did, you know, we had our own lives as black people. We were doing great things. We were farmers. Uh, you know, we, you know, we grew our own crop. Uh, you know, we, we owned our own land. It was all these different things. And so I think my only thing is that we just don't. So I know for me, like, even when speaking to my, my nephews and my nieces, like, I try to make sure, like, I'm talking with them about that in a sense. And it's not just about, oh, well, we were slaves and we were brought here. And it's not just that conversation. It's a much broader conversation, a much bigger conversation. So they know their full history about what it is to be a black person. So that way, like those, those mental images is not the only thing they hear, they hear because I give you an example for me, I was, I, I, I never learned who Malcolm X was until I got into college. You know, he was never taught in, in, you know, in school because Mm -hmm. of his philosophies and what he believed in. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree. I feel like on the Malcolm X thing, I feel like I was taught a lot of like, I was taught on a continuum of like, of like, here's MLK and here's Malcolm X and they were different yeah. yep. and like and I I was like the only reason I knew about Malcolm X was because he was different than MLK but I wasn't yep. taught about like why he was different or mm-hmm. how he was different but no I think yep. that Isabel your question is a good one of like do we have to is it necessary to make change and I think that like history would probably say yes unfortunately right like things didn't like some of the some of the biggest movements that happened in the civil rights movement were like in the wake of selma when people like yep. saw in the newspaper like black people getting beaten on the pettus bridge and also like i said emmett hill so it, yeah it is this weird catch 22 where it's like you know it feels weird to almost call these these images necessary but they have tended to push you know push forward society and mm-hmm. i think we're even seeing that now with the George Floyd footage where like even even I was like watching Fox News the other day because I like to keep tabs on the enemy and <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I, I was watching coverage of their them talking about uh, you know the idea of defunding the police or whatever and they weren't for that but it was interesting to me the dialogue around them covering the George Floyd murder because it was it's something that nationally the the sort of messaging behind it from both political from all ends of the political spectrum is like that was a disgrace and that was not okay you know mm-hmm. and it's something that we haven't seen even with some of the others other murders that have been captured on tape mm-hmm. um and so it's like people need to for whatever you know messed up reason and there is people seem to need to see black people being brutalized in order to feel any empathy for it actually happening mm-hmm. um yeah. but also agree with the way in that like that yeah you know there's a lot of work that that we can be done to be educating the black community and also like just the general populace about the you know other parts of the history of black people that that aren't just our subjugation in the you know Mm -hmm. in the early americas um yeah Dwayne, i do want to touch on we you know you've mentioned that in the black community we you know it's not talked about how much self-care isn't really talked about or it's if if it is it's a really new thing right it's like a millennial thing talking about um 
what self-care is and i think that even societally it's still kind of it's still very gendered in the black community yep. i feel where it's yep, like yep. and even and probably not in the black community too but um in the black community especially it's like self-care is a thing that's for women mm-hmm. yep and mm-hmm. and that goes i think right alongside with the stigma of you know seeking out mental health services that has existed in mm-hmm. our community for a long time and i'm interested to, i'm interested to get your opinion on where do you think like where do you think that comes from in our people like why do you think mm. why do you think our community is you know so hesitant to seek mental health services specifically and to like really really invest in like taking care of ourselves or self-care or whatever it might be yeah i i think and and again this this is just my opinion that's a that's a very good question because I, I, I ponder that question a lot, you know, and I think about that in a sense, because for me as as a black man, it was it was so hard to admit that I had anxiety uh, and that, you know, and that I was, you know, ways ago, a few years ago, I was, you know, in a depression, uh, you know, I was, you know, all these things involving mental health. And so I think for me, it, it comes from, I feel like specifically, you're right, I think it is a gender thing as well. I think it is uh, very, very more acceptable when it comes to women as opposed to men. Uh, and so I think that, I think as black people, it was, I, I think it stems from, and this is just a broad perspective for me, but I think it's, it's us always constantly feeling like we have to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like for me, even like, I, I give an example. Like I, 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 my, 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 my previous job before I work, before where I work now, uh, was a very heavily dominated white office, in a sense. Uh, you know, and which they acknowledge, which I appreciate, and they're trying to work to fix that. So I, I appreciate that, and I applaud them for that. But at the same time, I noticed that just innately and kind of instinctively, I would constantly feel like I have to do more just so I can prove that I'm just as good as my white colleagues because I know in the past it wasn't always that case right it wasn't always that case that we were you know we were seen as equal so we take on that mindset that we have to prove ourselves to the world constantly as just being equal as our counterparts whether they're white Hispanic whatever the case may be just having to feel like that and so I think that a lot of the times that that happens with everyone when it comes to seeking out mental uh, mental health research, uh, mental health resources, um, I think also too it has to do with our upbringing. Uh, I think that you know I was raised in a household with my father. Uh, I was never raised in a household with both my mother and my father. My father was in my life, uh, or is in my life, and so um, mental health counseling, all of that stuff. He despised all of that. He did he didn't believe in he didn't didn't believe in it at all. Didn't believe in mental health, didn't believe in counseling, didn't believe in talking to people, didn't believe in none of that. And so for me, that was always frowned upon. I never believed in it because, you know, this is the first person I'm talking to about mental health. And so my uh, my initial response to it is like, okay, I don't believe in that. And then eventually kind of, you know, separating myself as I got older from my father a little bit, I noticed that, you know, there's nothing wrong with counseling. And I, I and I can say I I, I, I I go to counseling weekly, right? Uh, it was something that I, I sought out uh, about two to three years ago, which I thought was something good. So I think for one, it's this thing that we have to prove ourselves, but I think it's a generational thing where we were taught to be quiet. Uh, 
We were taught to not voice how we feel. We were taught not to speak up of, okay, I need a break today. Those were programmed in black people over time, starting back to slavery, you know, it was, it was just programmed in us. And so generationally that trauma kept going over to generation to generation. And I know just me as a black man now, I'm trying to break that to where when I have my children, uh, whether I adopt or, you know, physically or, you know, have children, I want to break that trauma where it's like, okay, I want to have open conversations uh, about mental health and about, you know, anxiety and about trauma and just all those different things where my, where my children feel comfortable. So, um, I know that was a lot of parts, but I, I, I feel like it's a generational thing. Uh, I feel like it's this thing that we have to, you know, prove ourselves all the time. And I feel like it has to do a lot with our upbringing, too. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear your perspectives about it, too. So, Yeah. I mean, I was raised by my grandparents and my grandfather was, you know, a hard ass and yeah. very, very intentional about like his messaging to me was always kind of exactly what you were saying, doing like. Uh, like there's not going to be anyone here to help you. You have to help yeah. yourself. You yeah, need to, yeah. you know, you need to be strong enough to make it through anything and you can't yeah. show any weakness. And I think that those were, you know, those were learned adaptations that he took on from, you know, growing up in, in during the civil rights era, era right? And, yep, yep. and that was probably passed on to him from, you know, I'm... The descendant of slaves from Mississippi, and his, oh, wow. you know, his, um, um, I'm sure that my grandfather's grandfather was probably a slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, I get, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not mad at him for teaching me how to like kind of shut up my feelings, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I, but you know, going into college, it was a very, very intentional conscious thing that I had to unlearn through Mm. counseling and through a lot of reflection and you know I think a lot of us yeah a lot of us still haven't gotten to the unlearning phase or a lot of us haven't realized how how it it is important to be you know vulnerable and to be in touch with like with your feelings and things like that so yeah Mm -hmm. I agree generational yeah generational trauma is a bitch (laughs) <laughs> it's a real you ain't lying about that DeAndre. you ain't lying about that and-, and also like it's not even like they were wrong per se because i do think in, when they were growing up like there was less access access to those services in the first place right yep. you, it wasn't even necessarily like that was an option mm-hmm. right so it's not even like oh we're so much more enlightened now it's just that i think we have more access to mental health care and we are also in a media environment like where i go on instagram and i see tons of posts about mental health in a way that i'm sure there wasn't as much dissemination of knowledge and education about this kind of thing you know in our parents generation right and now gen z is probably just inundated in it all the time right and which is awesome actually that's like i i tend to really shit on social media a lot but this is actually one of those things where it actually i think has had a really positive effect Mm-hmm. No, that's very, and you know? I, yeah and how do y'all feel about that like there's a lot of there 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 is a lot of like things happening now where this newer or newer newer generation younger generation are starting to like speak up more when it comes to mental health and express their mental health and all those different things so like how like how do y'all feel about that do we feel like you know i guess i guess i guess i guess my question is like when it comes to mental health now it's a lot different and so do we think it's a great thing that we, and do we feel like as a society 
we're handling it the correct way. Because a lot of times in society, we create these depictions of what masculinity is, what femininity is, all these different things. And so now we have our younger generation speaking up more. Like you said, I, I, I've never seen so many posts. When I, when I, I remember exactly when Facebook first came out. I remember exactly when it first came <laughs> out. I didn't, I didn't see nothing about mental health on my, on my Facebook timeline. But now I get on and it's completely different. So I guess yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinions about that in a sense too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's good. I think that um, the, I think it started with, you know, the, millenn- the millennials kind of like dipping our toes in, in the water of, <laughs> yeah, of yeah. mental health. But you're right, like Gen Z has just like completely embraced it. And I think that it also, I was talking about adaptations with my grandfather. I think it's an adaptation on their part because, you know, there's a lot of studies that have shown that they are experiencing mental illnesses at such a, a such an, an amplified rate because of their connection to social media. So I think it makes a lot of sense that they're also using social media to disseminate information about yeah. mental illness. And I think that, I mean, yeah, I think that it's, I think it's overall very good. I mean, I, that without social media and like, you know, being exposed to a different kind of group of friends, I would have never sought counseling myself and it helped me so much, you know? Wow. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's positive. I mean, I think that it's kind of like the same thing that is harming us is also helping us. So that's kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is this yeah. like dub- it's this yeah. double-edged sword, right? Because you're like, okay, yes. You know, because this the social media landscape has allowed for this like sort of democratization of ideas, you know, we, we can therefore see more about mental health that you probably wouldn't be seeing from these more traditional news mm-hmm. sources yep, yep. and media sources. But at the same time, that is literally the cause of the problem <laughs> too, right? So it's also, sort of like... it might be short selling it to say that it's the cause of the problem because I do think that there's narratives on social media of, you know, handling childhood trauma, right? Which, mm-hmm. you know, might be amplified through social media but my childhood trauma has nothing to do with social media right Very that's true. like yeah that's a separate thing because i didn't grow up in the social media age these kids are now and so their childhood trauma will have everything mm-hmm. to do with social media but for you know i think for a lot of the millennials maybe we're like positioned well to be like oh we're receiving this information these resources now to deal with you know shit that happened to us before we were really super connected to the internet yeah I think it's just sort of we have those, you know, all the trauma that we all the same traumas that we had when we were kids. But now they also now they have social media. (laughs) And like, you know, I read this crazy statistic in like the Atlantic the other day that apparently more than a fifth of teenagers today receive more than 100 texts a day. Yeah. Like like the screen time is is, is crazy. I I said the average screen time between who I think it was like. 13 to 18 or something like that i think it's like six six kind of like i think i think it's like five to six hours a day five to six hours a day you're in your phone you're, but i i think you're right though i think that a lot of the times uh I, this this you know uh the millennials are very much expressing some of the same things that we had as children i feel like they just now have an outlet a, a, a better outlet to do it i feel like with us we kind of internalize it a lot growing up uh, I know myself, like, I didn't have those outlets to speak. I had MySpace, but MySpace wasn't a, a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace was, wasn't, you know, for mental health or nothing like that. So it was like, 
I think that now, yeah, they do have access to it. But like you said, it is kind of a double-edged sword where it's like, you know, a lot of people compare themselves to other, you know, to people on social media. Uh, you know, they, you know, they see these videos on social media of black bodies being, you know, killed in a sense. So it is a double-edged sword. But I, I, I do think, for me personally, I feel like how you use social media is everything. And so, like, kind of like DeAndre said, I didn't grow up in a social media era, so like, I, I, I can easily like disconnect from social media. It's not hard for me to do that, but for some people specifically our millennials, it's extremely hard for them to do that because that's all they remember is social media. Like mm. I remember right. I remember days when it wasn't a social media. I remember yeah. when we had the when we had the AOL internet, you had to dial up. Oh man. Uh, and someone was the on the phone. phone. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those are the days that I remember. So yes, I would agree. I definitely think it's that that was so, yeah. so but I think you just hit on a really interesting point where it's like, yo, without social media, you know, there wouldn't be a Me Too or a BLM, at least yep. in the same oh, yeah. form, than we have yeah. right now, you know? Like, yep. mm-hmm. we, you know, I I think that for a lot of people, or for a lot of white people, or maybe even, like, a lot of non-black POC, they're like, man, it feels like so many, like, you know, like, these police killings are ramping up, but they're not, right? They've always been happening. Yep. And mm-hmm. the reason why we're seeing this giant uproar right now is because now people are able to literally see them, and that's because of social media, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Um. So yeah, really, really weird, double-edged, triple-edged sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, very true. But no, I, I think that the general, just like sort of the general idea behind this episode of. Uh, like black people being just like kind of continuously traumatized is mm-hmm. something that like really really resonates with me at least because I feel like yeah. I'm trying to remember the first video I saw I think it was the Mike Brown video yep um, mm-hmm. and and then it just became like and this is it, it's interesting because Mike Brown happened in like a pre-trigger warning society yeah right so it mm-hmm. was like it was like the onset of social media taking over our lives, but a pre-trigger warning, pre like kind of mental health focused dialogue. Yeah. So for a little bit, you know, it, it was just videos on the timeline without any kind of like, <laughs> without any kind of like warning about the kind of content mm-hmm. you were going to see. And it was just like exhausting. And yeah. Um, and this something about, I don't know what it was about this George, George play video. Maybe it's because it was so long and yep. because it was like so up close and personal but for mm-hmm. me, like I felt very personally kind of impacted by that in a way that a lot of the other videos hadn't. And I was like, and you know, I think that obviously these kinds of things are affecting us subconsciously all the time. Mm-hmm. But that video was, was one case where I was like, damn, I feel kind of like, I feel impacted and, and like changed from watching that piece of content, oh, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. No, very true. And and it's, it's, it's crazy because when I... I think when I watched that video, uh, you know, it was I'm 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 not a crier, and I don't say that because like I'm a man, I'm masculine. No, no, by any means. Uh, it's just like it's hard for me to express myself emotionally, when, like crying in a sense. And so, but I cried when I watched that video uh, because it was it was sad. It was it was truly truly sad. The the thing that I'm I I, I think also that pissed black people off, and I think even like you know, allies as well, you know, non-POCs, uh, white, you know, certain, certain, certain white allies is that, uh, the narrative they painted after that, the media specifically painted after that, when it came to the, you know, the protesting, 
when it came to you know the rioting, all those different things. Because like I'm in Illinois, so I'm right by Chicago, and Chicago was on like it was it was a lot of protests happening down there, which I love to see. But they 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 painted this narrative that you know uh, instead of like seeking justice and making justice the narrative of this whole thing, the cops were wrong. They, they you know they killed this person. Uh, same thing with Michael Brown. Same thing with you know all the killings. They paint this narrative of the aftereffects that you know black people are tearing up our neighborhoods, we're looting, we're rioting, all those different things. And granted, some of that was happening, but however, a majority of that were were not black people in a sense. And so, even if you saw some of the riots and stuff that was happening, there were you know people dressed in all black, and uh, they weren't you know black in a sense as well too. So I, I don't know. I think that too, uh, you know, can really can really affect black people. Uh, and just all people in, in generally, like I, I know non-black people that that has truly affected because they are truly an ally of, you know, just all oppressed identities in a sense, true, like truly an ally. And so I think for me that, 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 that really bothered me a lot uh, because the media painted this narrative and took the, the, the actual focus of justice and put it on and painted this picture that black people are thugs. We are, you know, and we, we, you know we're everything under the sun because of the rioting. And all the you know looting and stuff that took place. So I don't know how y'all felt about that, but that that was something that really triggered me and bothered me as a black person. So yeah, I mean that was a tough time in general. I mean, yeah. it's still I shouldn't see I shouldn't speak in the past tense because it's still happening. But yeah, yeah, I think that when um, the like the two weeks after um, the George Floyd murder for me mm-hmm. was yeah super tough because it was just yeah. like you know it was constantly. Um, all social medias were, you know, talking are talking about this one thing, and you're right. So like it was like the murder happened, and then just like endless videos of the police fucking people up in the streets. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't if the people weren't black that the police were brutalizing, they were brutalizing them because the people were trying to protest for black lives, right? So yep. it's all mm-hmm. connected. Um, to this like. To this like overarching narrative for me which is like yo look what look how hard the system is pushing back against this idea like look how much mm-hmm. our society you know or like the powers that be and i don't think i don't want to say our society because i think there's a lot of push you know we're seeing a movement now but it's just like the, the powers that be and systemically how much our society does not want this to happen mm-hmm. yeah yeah Very and true. so it's hard you know it's that that narrative is kind of inescapable so what do we think, like, in the last episode, we talked about, like, you know, some things. We talked about toxic workplaces, and, and um, our guest, Sakina, was talking about how, like, after, you know, George Floyd, her workplace gave everyone, I think, a week or two weeks off to literally just process things, right? And I and I want to know what, what did both of you think about what, you know, okay, so what should we do? You know, and what do we want to see? What kind of society do we want to see, you know, ideally? And then also, what do you think is actually achievable kind of in the near term? Yeah, I think that, you know, Sakina talked about, yeah, her her workplace giving people days off to kind of take care of themselves mentally. My job didn't do that, but they were they were like, hey, we know it's a hard time. So, like, if you are experiencing decreased productivity or whatever it might be like that's cool which mm-hmm. is not the same as giving people days off um yeah. but you know my hope is that 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 
idea and narrative continues no, to be pushed forward. Very, very true. And I've been, I, I, so first of all, that was, that was, that was a great point, DeAndre. Uh, my, because of the time that we're in this pandemic, uh, at my job, I'm considered like essential staff because I work in, because I work in housing and residence life. Uh, so I'm working in a residence house constantly. And so I didn't get time off either. Uh, but I, I can say my office definitely said, take as much time as you need. Like they, they told me I could take off days. Uh, it wouldn't count towards my sick or my leave time or any of that. Like just take days off, whatever you need, do whatever you need to do to recharge. And so I really appreciated that about them. But one thing I've been pushing for when it comes to black people in the workplace, I think that we at just, just as many sick days and as many leave days that we get, we should get mental health days. And this is all people. I think that I think that there should be a mental health day where you get a certain amount of mental health days and you're able to use those days because of the times that we're in. I think that now we need those because I feel like personally, like, yes, you know, we get a lot of time depending on where you work. If you're hourly versus salary is kind of different of how many days you get off, because if you're salary, you know, you're technically not losing money if you take days off. But if you're hourly, you are. So it looks different. But I think that, though, there should be some paid time off for mental health days because I feel like and, and 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 that's for all people right because I say this this worldwide civil rights movement is affecting all people uh you know all people like this is I feel like I feel like the fight for black people it it's been going on for years been going on for 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 centuries but I feel like now the George Floyd situation I feel like it really woke the world up and it, it's sad that it took that long but it's really sad if you think about it. But uh, I think that it really woke people up. And so I think like now, like the fight for equality, I think it's become a worldly issue now. I don't think it's just this small little issue that people don't really get or they don't really see. Now, of course, you still got those who are still stuck in their ways, which, you know, we all got some of those uh, people around us in a sense. Uh, but I think that, yeah, I think that mental health day should be a thing. I was actually talking to a colleague of mine about that. Uh, and it's something that I, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe in because I just feel like there's some days where I wake up the George Floyd situation. Even after that day, I'm like, I really don't feel like going into work today, but I know I got a ton of work to get done. And if I don't go, it's just going to pile up and pile up. And by the time I get back, I'm going to have more work than I can handle. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I definitely feel like there should be a mental health days just like they're sick and leave time as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, also, on a more, I think, baseline level, like, education should be happening oh, yeah. more mm-hmm. widely in, like, in and out, out of schools. But, yeah, you know, in schools, we learned about, like, when you're in grade, like, you know, kindergarten or first grade, and you're, like, learning about different jobs, you never mm-hmm. learn about a therapist, right? Yeah. You never, like, you don't learn about, like, a psychiatrist. You learn, like, doctor or, like, firefighter or, like, whatever, yep. but... You know, I, I'm interested to hear about maybe, and maybe you all can provide some perspective on this. I can't remember I when the, when the first time I became aware of like mental health services even was, you know, but I feel like knowing, like knowing my grandparents and knowing like how I grew up, it probably was pretty late. Like I didn't probably didn't even know there was a doctor for your head until like I was a, you know, a whole (laughs) ass, like a whole ass pre-adult. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I think I think I learned about mental health services when I was 22. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> when I was 22. That's when I 
That's when I first learned, okay, this is this is a thing. This can happen. Uh, you can get help for what you're going through because and I'm I'm very open about my life. Uh, and so there was a there was a situation where uh, my brother actually, and he's okay that if I tell this story because he's told it on many outlets as well. Uh, he's even told it on my show too, uh, Wind Out Sunday. And my brother was admitted into a, uh, a mental health facility. And so I, at the time, I didn't I didn't know what a mental health facility was. I'm just thinking my brother's in this trapped place and he can't get out for whatever reason, you know. Yeah, like and I was very young or something. Like that. Uh, yeah, and so. Uh, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And so my, my, my father ha- had a big issue with it and I didn't know why he had an issue. With it. I just say, okay, my brother went away for a little bit. He's coming back. He's going to be okay. But the, the, the way the whole situation was, was set up is that, you know, uh, my brother was taken to this facility and I didn't see him for about a week. And so I wonder what's going on. Why don't I see my brother? What was happening? And uh, my brother was very, very outspoken. He was very much outgoing in school. And so uh, my mom had placed him in this facility. And so my father didn't like it at all. And so, you know, long story short, my, 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 you know, my father ended up, you know, getting my brother out of the mental health facility. But uh, my brother was suffering from a lot, you know, and, and he needed some help. And so I think, and in, in all honesty, thinking about it, that was my first, but even that introduction wasn't the best introduction. Because my father painted it as oh it's a crazy house oh it's this oh it's that he's 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 well he's, did your did your brother want to be there? My brother and 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 that's kind of that's kind of the second part I'm gonna get to is that uh, even 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 with that you know him being placed in there I think that there's there's this there's this clear gap I still think within the mental health field when it comes to how to support black people and. My brother was never an issue. He was never, he never had real like mental health issues. My brother was just, if there's, you know, three people standing on the wall, my brother might be the fourth one over there trying to do a push up on the wall or something like that. Like that's just, that's just how he was, you know? Uh, And so, but he was very creative. He was very, you know, expressive. And so I feel like that he was deemed as having a mental health issue because of some of those things. And so because of that, you know, my mother didn't know much about it either. And my mother's actually white, believe it or not. Uh, my mother, uh, my you know, my mother didn't know about it either. So she placed my brother into uh, that facility, which is why my father had an issue with it. So I do think that there's this disparity when it comes to mental health and when it comes to mental health between uh, the black community, you know, and how to support other. And I say that and I use that example because that's an example of there was nothing wrong with my brother. Like, granted, he had his issues so like every why, kid. Why was he placed in the mental health? Was, I still don't quite follow what was there like. Was there like a crisis that happened or something? It was just his behavior in school. Like he was just oh. he okay. he he would talk back to the teacher. Uh, he would you know, getting arguments with the other students and other things like that. Uh, he would do he would he would do, but he never 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 harmed anyone, never hit anyone, never physically touched anyone. My my brother's perfectly fine, like perfectly healthy capable being he has a full-time job now raising two beautiful boys uh has a beautiful you know fiance and so like he's doing wonderful things there was nothing wrong with him it was just that because teachers didn't know how to handle him they didn't know how to support him they deemed him as you know needing to go to this facility which they had then persuaded my mom to do this as well and so my mom agreed with it without my father ever knowing and it became this whole big thing my father got him out of there and so again i i say that story to say 
that there is a huge uh, disparity between how to support. And I say all that because I think in the workplace too, there's that as well. Where I, I me personally, I know in the past, like I've witnessed, uh, you know, a colleague tell me, hey, like, you know, I'm here for you if you need anything. Uh, I know this situation just happened. Feel free to take time off. But then uh, when, you know, I asked an, uh, this colleague about a question or something that I have about something about regarding whatever issue or whatever question I might have, I might then get the not so nice answer in a sense of how that person responds to me as a black person, not really knowing or that white individual knowing or not or, you know, non-POC, uh, I'm sorry, uh, not uh, a non-black POC is that the way they just the way they just said that in a very um, you know hostile way could easily trigger me with everything going on and so I, again I still feel like while I greatly support and I, I wholeheartedly support you know work work offices who are doing these great things for their employees there's still that disparity there of how to support black people with that kind of wisdom. So how do you think we sh could get there, right? Is it just a function of like telling, like having there be more education around how, like what's yeah. going to be triggering or just having a greater awareness and building that awareness? Mm -hmm. Or like, do you think there are other things that we could be doing? Yeah, no, I, I think the one thing that my job did is a great start. I feel like everyone went through an anti-racist training. When you come here, when you, you know, when you work here, uh, you have to go to an anti-racist training. Uh, I think there should be some trainings around racial battle fatigue and what that's like. I think racial battle fatigue is this 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 idea or this uh, this notion uh, and its reality of you know black people uh, basically having to deal with you know so much more and having to carry so much weight on their shoulders uh, and then constantly having to be you know constantly being placed in these uh, predominantly white spaces. Or even these spaces that necessarily don't have policies, or they don't have traditions, or they don't have anything set up that supports Black people in a sense. And so I think I think that's the thing too. Uh, I've 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 done some of those trainings here, which I found highly effective for folks uh, and and for white folks and for uh, non-Black people of color as well too. That they found it helpful as well too. So I think you're right. I think I think education is a start uh, because I think that. Uh, there's and I, I've learned this. There's some people who just truly don't know how to support black people. They mean no harm, but they just don't know how to support black people. And I feel like that education is really a start to actually doing that in a sense. And so, uh, and we've done a great job at my job where I'm at now. So I applaud them for that because they brought in professors, they brought in uh, sociologists, uh, mental health experts on on you know anti-racist training. And how to support their black colleague in a sense. And it's been working out pretty good because we've been having like an attendance of 300 plus on, on those Zoom calls. So. Wow, that's awesome. I've almost yeah. never heard of people being like, oh, yeah, my workplace is actually yeah. really good on racism. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? it's, been, it's been really good. Yeah, I it's been really that, good. So. Yeah, like it needs to start with a baseline understanding of like understanding and acknowledgement that like the mental health needs and like physical health needs of the black community are different from the greater community at large, right? Like that there yeah, yeah. is like, like pr people need to, professionals need to, you know, like train to be able to engage with this community. And I think that's mm -hmm. like, that's kind of what Dwayne was getting at with, with what his job has been doing, which is good. Um, but, you know, 
this is like in response to what Isabel was saying about like what needs to happen systemically and you know I think that you know society needs needs to recognize recognize at large that the mental health needs of black people are unique and need to be addressed directly and you know in isolation from like you know like well not in not in isolation from but you know as a category of mental health providers like I think that I think that like people should be like yeah you know like I am trained and have experience in like in treating uh you know treating clients and patients that yeah have you know that that are from these kinds of communities which is really tough right because there's already a stigma in those communities around going to therapy and stuff like that right so how do you even get there right unless people actually come right do you do you feel um that when you go to a therapist that that person has to be black um so far both i've only been to two therapists in my life and i in both cases have sought out black therapists yeah. And for me, I think yes, just because I didn't have like the mental, like the mental energy to be, to be trying to teach my therapist about what it's like to be black, you know, yeah. it's just not, a, it wasn't a thing that I was trying to do. I, it's not that I don't think that a white person could do the, a good job. I'm sure that they could, but I, you know, I just didn't want to take the chance. Yeah. I think, I think the same for me, uh, the time. And I, I, I actually got really lucky. Uh, the first therapist I sought out actually ended up being it for me. It was a, it's a black woman. And so, uh, I think for me coming up, I was, I was raised by a lot of black women. So I sought out a black woman because I connect, I connect so easily with, with black women when it comes to talking and open up and my, about my feelings and stuff like that. So I would definitely agree with DeAndre. It was, it's definitely, it's definitely easier uh, to explain what it is or what I'm going through, and a lot of it, some of it being because of my identity as being a black individual, and it's easier for them to understand and kind of help me in a way that I need to be helped in a sense. So yeah, yeah. and but I, you know, uh, I'm I'm sorry, Deandre, go ahead. Oh no, you can finish your thought. No, because I was gonna say I know some some black people who have white therapists, and it worked out perfectly fine. So it can happen. Uh, Plus, like I most just, therapists are white, I assume. Right. Yeah, it probably has yeah, to be. Right? It has lot, to be. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah very true. <laughs> like very I bet, true. I bet so. the black therapists, especially right now, are in very high demand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully, we'll see. You know, this is probably already happening. I don't, I don't know, know, know the numbers offhand, but hopefully, we'll see more black people becoming mental health professionals, and that, yeah. like, that will also encourage other black people to be like, oh, okay, I'm seeing people like me in this profession. Like, I feel like it's now more accessible. Yeah. Right? Because I'm sure it's also hard because as the black therapist, I'm sure for you, you have all those same issues going on. So I'm sure it also like has a collective emotional toll to be, you Mm -hmm. know, supporting everybody and also having those same problems for yourself. Yeah. And also we can't forget the giant elephant in the room of like, yo, like you need good health insurance to be able to access. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And at least right now as the country is right now and i think a lot of us want to see that change but yeah but you know all this is tied together black people often you know often are lower to middle lower class and might you know might have health insurance through their jobs that's not trying to cover mental health mental health uh, care or you know like maybe they have like deductibles or maybe you know it's all it's all it's all connected yeah yeah which is why yeah. i feel like so many people 
not to get too political, but on the left are like, oh, you know, like the Democrats don't actually support black people. But even these things that like, you know, like healthcare, right, that don't you don't necessarily think of as being really connected to race do have huge impacts for people. Right. Because yeah, like if no, we I... were able to get, sustain, you know, a really robust healthcare bill through Congress, that would, would be huge. <laughs> yeah, it would help a lot of POC. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, that's that. That's very true. Cause I, I think e- even I'm trying to think my my even with my 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 insurance and everything, I still pay a pretty hefty price uh, for my counselor uh, and having to go see my therapist. Uh, so yeah, I would agree with that one hundred percent. So uh, I just want to express to the people like, you know, mental health is a real thing. So make sure you're getting the help that you need. Uh, you know, for people of color. Finding that, you know, finding that counselor out, uh, finding that counselor. I always say, when seeking out a therapist, it's like dating. It truly yeah, is like it dating. It really is like dating. Like, <laughs> like you, you got to like, keep going until you find the right one and don't settle. Yeah, and don't settle at all. And uh, luckily for me, luckily my first date with my therapist went, went really, really well. <laughs> uh, it did, which is rare. And so, uh, but no, I always say seek out the help if you need it. And I know everyone is not big on therapy and I'm not forcing therapy on anyone. Well, that's, if, if you got that friend you need to talk to or that family member, like seek them out and talk to them. That's a form of therapy as well. Uh, meditation is a really big form of therapy. That's something that I'm really into. Uh, I try to meditate daily uh, and do some other practices too. So I just say, folks, black, non-black, if you're going through something, get the help that you need because it is very important. Cool. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for sitting down with us. It's been really cool to have kind of your your perspective on all of this. And I think it's really dope that you're doing um, higher ed work because this is such a tumultuous time and people, I feel like, I feel like higher professionals don't just provide, you know, like residence hall guidance. I feel like you all often play the form of like mentor for, for uh, students, which I feel like is in a time like this really needed. Um, but I have one closing question for you, and that is, how are you staying sane during the quarantine? <laughs> how am I staying sane during the quarantine? Uh, I'm staying sane during the quarantine by, honestly, I'm staying sane during the quarantine by the show that I have now, which is called Wind Down Sunday. That has been very therapeutic for me, and I have been doing that for the last few weeks now. So I've been staying sane during that show. I've also been meditating daily. Uh, I have a 10-month-old puppy who's so cute and adorable. <laughs> and so uh, he has been helping me and keeping me energized and doing a lot of walking and running with him and all those cute little puppy things. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I've been staying motivated for the most part. So, Dope. Um, before we get out of here, yeah, tell us um, how, to, how and where we can find your show. I am host of the show Wine Down Sunday, which we talk about mental health. We talk about wine. What a better combo, right? Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yes, it is It is a wonderful show. Uh, if you can follow me, it's at thebeardgod underscore. That is at T-H-E, uh, beard, B-E-A-R-D, God, G-A-W-D, underscore, at thebeardgod underscore. Make sure you follow me every Sunday at, uh, we're switching the time now, so 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you tune in and catch the live video. 
so yeah yeah and we'll be sure to uh stick a link down to or stick a link to the profile down in the show notes as well okay thanks um thanks. great well as always y'all if you heard anything you liked anything you hated if you really loved or hated Dwayne or isabel or i <laughs> um feel free to let us know at i'm the villain pod that's our gmail that's our twitter that's our instagram um otherwise bye